0: I'm continuing my series of homilies on the Mass. Today we're going to go through the Gloria, the Collect, and the liturgy of the, the rest of the Liturgy of the Word. What's up, dude? I have my lucky shirt on, too. His shirt said, this is my lucky shirt. Yeah. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> anyway. So uh, we're going to start with the Gloria. If you remember last week... We ended with a penitential act and kind of this heavy like reflection on our own brokenness, on our own sinfulness, and our own weakness. And then we moved from that into this this song of high praise. And that really is sort of the whole life of the church. Because the glory is this this thing of we recognize our brokenness, but we also recognize God's glory. And that our faith is really where the two meet. And so we live in this space that I call the, 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 oh gosh, I had it last week. I mean, I had it last mass. Well, last week. Um, In this space of uh, right now, not yet. You know that space of that uh, uh, kind of you know what I'm talking about. That kind of like I'm ready for it, but it's not gonna like. That's where we are. Because we've been baptized into the life of Christ, and we've been conformed to His body we in a sense already experience somewhat of some of the kingdom of God. But we don't experience its fullness because we're not in the heavenly kingdom. <laughs> we're not there yet. So we're in this space of like one foot in and one foot out. This right now but not yet. And the Gloria is this, this prayer of right now, not yet where our brokenness meets God's glory. So what do we sing? Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. These words should sound familiar, not just because we sing them every Sunday, but also because those are the words that the angels sang the night that Jesus was born when the, the, the choir of angels appeared to the shepherds, what were they singing? Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. And so what we're singing is the song of the angels. You might only hear the person behind you or the person in front of you or the person next to you singing, but the whole of the heavenly choirs of angels are singing with us when we sing glory to God. And the highest. Not only that, but when you continue on, we praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King. Oh God, Almighty Father. Those are words that are are paraphrased from songs that were being sung in heaven when John had his vision of the heavenly kingdom that we read in the book of Revelation. That the choirs of the heavenly angels and all the saints in the heavens were singing to the Lord these words. We're singing with the angels. It's like this, this reminder that even though we are sinful, this is what we are enter, moving towards. This is what God tends us towards, is to join the choirs of the angels and all the saints. It also sets our heart in the right posture. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you it directs our hearts in the proper way after we've acknowledged that we are in need of him we go before him and we 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 give him glory we give him praise we we surrender everything to him when you glorify somebody you surrender yourself to their power when you adore somebody you surrender yourself to their power when you give praise In the fullness, full sense of that word, you elevate them above yourself. And so it puts us in this posture, the right posture, right? Because the world puts us in this posture of elevate myself above everyone else. I want to get ahead. I want to put myself above my coworkers, above the other businesses that I'm competing with, above these other things, and I'm gonna put myself. Right, but that's that's not the posture of a Christian. <laughs> the posture of a Christian is what Jesus showed us the night before he died when he washed the feet of his apostles. And he said, if you are to be like me, be like this. I've come to serve, not to be served. So it puts us in the proper posture. And then it reminds us of who God is and who we are. You are king. You are the almighty. There is none that can compare with you. And so it it helps us, if we're intentional about those words, leaving behind all of those things that we elevate above God. Our own time, money, pride, status, sports, some other hobby. Those things that we say are more important than spending time with God in prayer. TV show? Sleep. That's the one I struggle with. God or sleep. Like, God, you'll understand, right? <laughs> but that's what we do. And it, it puts us in this posture of, 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 of focus, giving glory to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. Let these words ring off your tongue with intention. He is the only one that can save us. Not the next president, whoever that may be not the next whatever. Right? Only him. Only him. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. And this this recognition that he's there drawing us to himself. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are Lord, nothing else but you. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. And the church says, Good job. Y'all did better than the the 830s like. (laughs) Right? Amen. Now the word amen is a Hebrew word. That loosely translated means I believe. But it's not like an assent, like, you know, somebody's making an argument, like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, amen is like full, I put my full self and I put my full conviction into this thing. If you want to compare it to an earthly thing, the amen is like a is like a a more powerful version of the Hudat chant. Like when you're at the Hudat chant in the Superdome in that moment, every single person is completely invested in that football team. Heart, soul, mind, body, everything. That's what that word is supposed to mean. So when we say amen, let us mean that amen. I I had a wedding last night uh, and there was a lot of people there who hadn't been to church in a while. And um, uh, I start with the sign of the cross at the beginning of the wedding and and, and there was chatter before and everybody goes, amen. And I'm like, y'all, is this a funeral or a wedding? Like, we kind of forget that. Kind of forget that. But that's part of the act of participation, right? Is for us to be very intentional to pay attention. And I'll get to more to that in a moment. Okay. Said so that, said so that, said so that. Okay. So then we go into the liturgy of the word itself. Actually, before that, we have the collect. The collect is the prayer that the priest prays at the beginning, after we've said the Gloria. Now, normally when the priest prays, At least when I was in the congregation as a high schooler, that was the time for me to think about anything else but what was going on at Mass. (laughs) Who's going to be the quarterback today? Is it going to be David Carr? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? They're not going to tell us until the last moment. Wait, what? Um, No. What? I encourage you to pay attention to those prayers because those prayers are for you. And they help to direct our mind for the celebration of that particular liturgy. If you notice, they change each week. So I want you to listen to that prayer again. Oh God, who manifest your power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. Does that sound familiar? There's something right there. Oh. Remember your mercies, O Lord. Like, begin to see the connections. The prayers are connected to the readings. Connected to what's going on in the liturgy for that weekend. Bestow, we pray, your grace abundantly upon us and make those hastening to attain your promises heirs to the treasures of heaven. And what's beautiful about this, that I did not plan... Is that this contains both the penitential act, Lord have mercy on us, and the Gloria, the uh, uh, attaining the treasures of heaven. Both of it, all right there. In this little like 12-second prayer. If we aren't paying attention, it's gonna go whoop and we're gonna miss it. Sort of like all the inside jokes if you watch The Office. There are all these little things that every time you watch it, you're like, I didn't notice that, I didn't notice that. That's why people watch it, you know, seven, ten, a hundred times. Not a lot of fans of The Office here. Okay. Okay. Then we get to the Liturgy of the Word. Everybody sits down. Now, the readings themselves, they uh, um, the book that is used is called the lectionary. Lectionary. Again, this is a very well-used lectionary. There are four volumes of the lectionary. There's a volume for Sunday. And within Sunday, there are three years of readings. So there's a rotation. Every, every year, starting in Advent, we start a new year of readings in the A cycle, the B cycle, or the C cycle. And then the other three uh, volumes, two of them are the readings for for weekday masses. And there are two cycles, cycle one and cycle two. And then the fourth one are the readings for all of the other special masses. So that's a lot of readings. If you were to go to mass every day for three years, you would hear 80% of the scriptures. The reason that, as Catholics, you might not have been encouraged to read the Bible is because the liturgy is the original place to encounter Scripture. Think about it. The Gutenberg Press was invented in 1468. That's 555 years ago. First print was the Bible, of course. Now, I would say a Bible in most households probably didn't begin until around the 1800s. So that's 200 years ago. That is only 10% of the whole history of the church where people were able to read the scriptures on a regular basis. Most people encountered the scriptures when they came to the liturgy and listened And St. Paul says to us, faith comes from hearing. Not reading, hearing. So here's my little encouragement to you. This guy, put him down when they had the readings. Now, some of you are visual learners, and that's impossible. Keep it. But I think for most people, they can put themselves in the space to listen. Because when we listen, when we pay attention to what is going on, instead of, you know, squirreling and zoning out, is that God is speaking to us. The entirety of the scriptures isn't some ancient book that was written thousands of years ago that has no meaning on our lives now. St. Paul says in his letter to the Hebrews, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God speaks to us every day. If we allow it, we have to pay attention, though. We have to put in that attention. And let's be honest. We don't live in a world that is used to attentively listening. In fact, we don't live in a world that attentively listens so much so that we actually pay a whole subset of people to do that. They're called counselors and psychologists. (laughs) We live in a world that doesn't want to listen, but just wants to get their point across. Try to watch a TV show, and there's anything but more than five seconds of silence. But when we attentively listen, which is hard, it takes effort. It takes us to focus. But when we are able to do that, oh my God, gosh, gosh, gosh. What am I trying to say? God speaks to us. I'll give you one example. Five oldest books in the scripture are the first five books. Tradition says that they were written by Moses himself, most of them. The book of Genesis chapter 1 says that God made man in his image after his likeness. Every time I read that that speaks to me because it reminds me of who I am. I am, I am not the sum of what I've done. I'm not the sum of what has been done to me. I'm made in God's image. I'm his. How many times are we like Simba? We go off and we want to be a kunamata. Means no worries, and we need Rafiki to come back and hit Simba on the head and say, "Simba, remember who you are." Boom! Scripture just spoke to you. The whole of Scripture does that. If we're listening, if we're paying attention, it's this beautiful space. Of God's word. So. What is being said? There are four readings. The first reading. If you pay attention. Is an Old Testament reading. Always from the Old Testament. Now except during Easter. It's the Acts of the Apostles. But for the rest of the liturgical year. It is the Old Testament. And there is so much going on. So much going on, so much good stuff there. In fact, if you come to Daily Mass, I'm usually trying to preach on the first reading, which is the Old Testament. Lately, it's been the book of Ezra and Haggai and Nehemiah. Yeah, everybody's read those books, right? <laughs> um, And then after that is the responsorial psalm. There are 150 psalms. Most of them are used, all of them are used in the liturgy. Also, sometimes there are other hymns um, from the Old Testament and the New Testament that are put there. But I encourage you to pay attention to those words as well. Because the psalms speak to the movements of our hearts. Those 150 psalms speak every emotion that a human can experience. Anger, sadness, Murderous intent. Yes, that is in the Psalms. Everything anger at God, hopelessness, hope. It's all there. In the Psalms, you have the shortest book of the Bible which is two verses, Psalm 117. And you have the longest book of the Bible, which is 120 verses, and that's Psalm 118. This this wealth of prayer. If you've never opened the scriptures, I encourage you to do that and open with the Psalms because you'll never be disappointed. There's something in there you'll be able to relate to. And they're short and they're sweet. For the most part, 118 is not short. Then we have the New Testament reading. The New Testament reading is always one of the letters. Letters of St. Paul, letters of St. Peter, letters of St. James, letters of St. John. And those break open the Christian mystery. Sometimes they connect to the Old Testament reading and the Gospel, sometimes they don't. But oftentimes, the Old Testament reading connects to what is happening in the Gospel. Like today, today, Right, it's talking about, the gospel was talking about, um, it's not, who, does, who is God going to receive? Those who have re- received him. Whether they were sinful before or whether they were not. Prostitutes, tax collectors. The righteous or the unrighteous. He says it's not, it's not how we think we are, but it's what we do, how we choose. And if we choose to repent, then God will receive that and forgive us, no matter how sinful we have been. And then there's the gospel acclamation, which is the Alleluia. That's a Hebrew word that gives glory to God. It's an ancient word. It's a word that Jesus had on his lips and would pray it often. And when we sing that, just as a reminder, because I kind of notice this, I hear this, the cantor will sing the Alleluia first by themselves. It's supposed to be this call and response thing. So they sing, and then we sing as a congregation, and then they'll sing the antiphon, which is usually some words from the gospel, and then we'll sing together. Does that make sense? Right. So we have that kind of that had that kind of movement of going back and forth of this dialogue and then we stand we are right, we standing for that to receive the word of god in particular the words of jesus in the gospel which is always pro- proclaimed by an ordained minister because it is holy it's special it's the gospel and those three years that I was mentioned before, A, B, and C, they correspond to which gospel is being read. So in year A, which we're in right now, we go through the gospel of Matthew. Have you been paying attention to notice that every week we've been reading from the gospel of Matthew? And the next year we'll read from the gospel of Mark, and the year after that we'll read from the gospel of Luke. And then the Gospel of John is kind of interspersed throughout those three years, especially in Easter, in Christmas time, and some other places as well. I think in the uh, year B, during this time of like July, August, early September, we go through John chapter six. But it, it goes like that, and if we get to encounter Christ in the scriptures. And Not only that, when we read the scriptures attentively and we listen to God's word and let it speak to us, it helps to prepare us to receive Christ in the Eucharist because we've received him already in his word. Which is much, not much different than Mary. Before Mary said yes and received God in her womb, she already received, she already made that yes to him in her heart. So we do the same. And you cannot have the liturgy of the Eucharist without the liturgy of the word. Because it helps to form us, to prepare us, to be ready for that. And what helps to prepare us to enter deeper into the liturgy of the word is the homily, which is a part of the liturgy. It's intended to break open that scripture, to bring it alive, now obviously, I've, I know that's ironic because I'm, I'm saying you need to preach on the scripture and I'm currently not <laughs> preaching on the scripture. But the Pope Benedict in his, uh, in his letter, Sacramentum Caritatis, encouraged that at certain times you can preach on a, a series of homilies on some sort of catechetical topic. And I'm doing that for the Mass. So it's, it's not that I'm just doing this because I, you know... Uh, There is an encouragement from uh, the Holy Father. So that homily is intended to break the break the word open. It's not. It's not for me to to spout what I think should be done with the world. How the world's a mess. It's not for me to to talk on the topics that I want to talk about. It's about communicating what God is speaking and breaking that open. Homily is not about me. It's not about any priest. It's about Christ. I've said a lot. I know this was long because when I looked at my watch at the end of the last Mass, I was supposed to be in the confessional already. (laughs) So i said a lot. And it's going to be hard to take that all in. But I encourage you, take one of the things, whatever the thing that hit you, whatever thing that you remember, and bring that to Mass next week. And implement it in your active participation. Let this this Gloria and the Liturgy of the Word be something that can be broken open and become more alive for you.